Are y'all doing okay this morning? Awesome. Well, hey, I am so excited and honored to be here. Um, I know all the Razorback fans are excited this morning as well. If you're not a Razorback fan, that's also awesome as well. So um, my name is Seth. I'm from uh, North Little Rock area at the GLR campus, right before you cross over the bridge into West Little Rock. And uh, man, before I get into the word, I would just love to honor your pastors. I love Pastor Kevin and Robbie. They're amazing. Um, yes, y'all can give it up for your pastors. They're, they're awesome, um, and I told Kevin, I said, hey man, if your congregation, like, if they lose wisdom in this service, I apologize, okay? Like, you know, your pastor is amazing, and he is brilliant, and I was like, dude, I just feel so dumb, like, coming to your campus, because you're so smart, you know? So, what do I say? And he was like, just don't, don't be an idiot. I was like, okay, thank you. So, um, but your youth pastors as well, the Woodsons, uh, my wife and I, we, we know them well, and we love them a lot, and it's just an honor to be here um, in this building. I know it's two years old for you guys, but it's new for me. This is my first time here, and it's amazing. I love it a lot, and so, uh, my wife and I, we pastor at the GLR campus, and we are youth pastors, and so uh, we, we have, in the past, we stay up late. Uh, we eat lots of Taco Bell, okay, in Jesus' name, and uh, we love what we do, and I believe if we can get students in the presence of God, it'll change everything. I believe if we can get students in the presence of Jesus, I think everything in the world could change. So before I get into the message, I've got a couple pictures of my family. If you would throw that first picture up there. This is me and my wife. Everybody say, aww. Not because of me, but because of that newborn baby. He is the man, okay? So we are new parents, and we have no clue what we're doing, y'all. Like, I'm, I'm just guessing this whole time. So that's my son, Zane. That is my wife, Kendra. She is amazing. Uh, I love her so much. And if you could throw that next one up there. These are both of my sons. So um, one of them looks like me, okay? I'm not sure where the, where the other one got his gold hair from, but uh, that is our dog Ace. He is the man. Does anybody else's dog look at them like that? Like when you leave the house? Makes you feel like the worst human on the planet. So um, this is my son. He is smiling, and man, I, he is so much joy. I've got one more picture of him. This was taken a couple days ago, and uh, he is four months old. And uh, we think he has an ear infection, so my wife is getting that handled this morning. But uh, he is, he's, he's amazing. And uh, when I was thinking about becoming a father, um, I, I was a little bit scared. You go ahead and take that down. Uh, I was a little scared about it, not because of like the fatherhood side, but because I have a weak stomach. Does anybody else have a weak stomach in here? And all I was nervous about was the, the diapers, okay? And I was like, Kendra was preparing me for it. I hadn't changed a diaper my whole life. I was just waiting for the big debut. And she trusted me about a month ago. I don't know why. Um, she left the house to run some errands. And uh, she said, do you, do you have this under control? She had the detailed schedule, which I needed in Jesus' name, of all the things that need to happen and how to do it all. And so um, he had one of those diapers, okay? You know what I'm talking about if you have a kid in here. It's, it's called a blowout, okay? And hopefully you've never had one of those, but, you know, your, your kids have. And so it was one of those, and I, it was my big moment. Like, I had changed diapers, but Kendra had been coaching me through it. And some of you are like, you're a wimp. I don't care, okay? So um, I changed this diaper, and I, it was my first time puking after changing a diaper. I did not tell my wife, though, because I didn't want to lose my man card. So she got home. It was all great. She's like, how was it? I was like, it was great. He was perfect. And I'm thinking... Don't check the trash can, you know? And so she, you know, the night goes on, and uh, I, I was like, the day can't get any worse. And then our, our sewer system backed up. And so this was recently. This is not too long ago. And so my, my mother-in-law comes in the room, and she had been in for about a week helping us out. 
And she said, she said, Seth, something's wrong. I smell something. And I was like, I smell it too. And end up going into the, the, the bathroom, and our bathtubs were, were starting to backfill with sewage. And if this has happened to you before, you know it's not a good situation, okay? And so I start praying, but then I'm like, I got to do something. So I go out back, and I'm, like I said, I'm a youth pastor, so there's pranks that are pulled on me all the time. And so I go out back, and there's, there's, a, there's a pipe in the back that basically it's supposed to come out of, and the lid is supposed to come off of that, but somebody had sealed that thing down on there. And so I go down, and I start taking that lid off, and as soon as I get that lid unscrewed, it sprayed me from head to toe. Okay, and it wasn't all the way off yet. I still had work to do, and so I'm in the backyard. I'm gagging. I run inside. I strip down to my boxers, don't get a visual, and then I run back out with an umbrella because that's like the right thing to do. And so I get an umbrella. I've actually got video, but it's not appropriate to show you in church. So I'm like down on the ground with an umbrella, and it it like I got it off. It like just went everywhere. My neighbors think I'm a psycho because I was in my backyard, half naked with an umbrella, throwing up in the stickers. Okay, it was just not good. So that's, uh, fatherhood's going great, if you're wondering. I'm, I'm loving it. Um, I'm kidding, but it, it, it's been amazing, and uh, it's an honor to, to be a father, and, and I'm, I'm so excited about his life and being able to uh, raise him in a Christian home. And so we, we have been in a series called Old School. Everybody say Old School. So these are things like that, from, maybe from your past that you learned in church that we're bringing back to the current. And so uh, today I'm going to go a little bit off of the series, but all of my points, they're, they're kind of old school. It's things that you've heard before. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. A new diagnosis. A new diagnosis. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. This is the mentality that I once was, but I no longer have to be. I once was, but I no longer have to be, because the reality is in your life, when you uproot something from your life, there will always be a hole. So if you pull something bad out, if God pulls something bad out of your life, there's always going to be a place, if you're a gardener or you plant things in here, you know you've got to fill the hole with something. This morning, I believe that, that God wants to fill that hole with truth, and maybe you walked in here and you're anxious. Maybe you're a student or a college student or maybe a parent and, and school is back in session or the finances may not be good. Life is crazy. God wants to give you peace. Maybe you're struggling with anger and, and frustration. I believe God wants to give you love or maybe you're discouraged. I, I struggle with discouragement as a pastor all the time and God wants to give you courage. It says in Matthew 9 verse 12 through 13, I love this. It gives me hope. It says it's not the healthy who need a doctor but what? The sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've come not to not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I believe a lot of people, I hear this often, even in my own family. Well, well, I'm always going to be this way. Have you ever heard this before? Like, like this is just who I am. This is just how it's going to be. Like the thing that I've struggled with, I'm just stuck with it. Sometimes we go to God and we ask questions like this: God, do you even care about what I'm going through? Like, do you, do you even care about what, what, what's going on in my life? Like, why would God allow for my family to go through this? And these are real questions. And, and maybe you said, like, well, will I always feel this way? I want you to hear this before we get into the word. God cares about what you've been through. God cares about where you're currently at. And he cares about the things that you will face in the future. And he wants to be with you every step of the way. I believe that in faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. And God, I pray that you would encourage the people of Cersei this morning. God, use me as a vessel. Speak through me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So all through high school and college, um, I worked at the golf course, the, the, the baseball park, and I would mow and, and weed eat and do kind of typical lawn service stuff. And, and it never failed. I always would get poison ivy. Is anybody in here allergic to poison ivy? Okay, like, it, like I can see poison ivy and I get poison ivy. That's what it feels like at least. Like somebody gets poison ivy and they sneeze around me, I'm going to be itching. Okay, so like I always get poison ivy. And when I was in college, I worked at the golf course and, and I noticed that I had some like, like bumps and I was itching and so I went to the doctor they give you the steroid shot which I'm not a fan of and then they it hurts like I don't like the needles and and then they give you the topical cream the kind of cream that doesn't fade away after you put it on and like when you go out in public everybody knows something's wrong with you that that kind of cream so I had that and, and and I noticed it did not go away I was like, this is weird. So I go back four weeks later, and I get the same treatment again, the same, the same shots, the same creams. And I go back three weeks later, and then two weeks later, and in my fifth doctor's visit, I was like, if you tell me I've got poison ivy, I'm going to lose my mind, okay, because I don't have poison ivy. It's, it's not helping the situation. And so I had to go to this, this skin specialist in, in, in Cabot. It was a cancer clinic. And what they ended up telling me, it was a really awkward situation, won't go into full detail, but I was like in this room, they were like picking at my skin, and, and they, they told me, Seth, you don't have poison ivy, and I was like, praise God. And then they were like, you've got a skin disease, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, well, what is it? And they started beginning, they told me that you have mites that have burrowed under your skin. Yeah, y'all are like, ugh, some of y'all are itching right now. And these mites reproduce themselves every three to four hours. And so what you feel at night is not just bumps on your skin. There's something under your skin. And I was thinking, oh, Lord. Like, I'm like, that's not good. And so I'm like, well, what do I do? They gave me all this stuff, hot baths, all kinds of things to put on my skin. And the reason I tell you that story is because I was misdiagnosed. I was misled. I was at the point of a mental breakdown in my life. And in that story, yes, I had a skin condition, but in my life, this was before I met Jesus, I had a serious sin condition. Like, I was broken. I was running from God. I was in college. I was in the baseball scene, the party scene, and I was not living for the Lord. I knew God called me to do something, but I was terrified to step out and do it. I remember thinking, like, I would miss, even misdiagnose myself. Like, I'm always going to be this way. I'm always going to struggle with fear. I'm always going to struggle with rejection because my parents are divorced and my my father was in prison my whole life. I'm always going to struggle with this. And God's like, no, I've got a future for you. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. A new diagnosis begins with this. It's number one, believing this. You have to believe this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You've probably heard this growing up in the church. You've probably even sang it. And it's a little old school. But this is the understanding that I once was, but I no longer have to be because of the grace of God. Are you thankful for the grace of God this morning? Like, I'm thankful for Jesus that he doesn't, he doesn't work with perfect people. He works with imperfect people, and that's why I'm up here. Matthew 8 says this. I love this passage. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and he knelt before him and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man and he says, I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy and then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I want to tell you real quick, lepers in this day were complete outcasts. 
Like, I want you to think about the person that didn't get picked in kickball, kick, kickball and, and for the team at recess back when you were in elementary school, like the kid on the other side of the playground. They, they, they were completely casted away. Like, lepers were in their own colonies outside of the city with other lepers because they couldn't come within six feet of other people that didn't have leprosy. Lepers in this day, if the wind was blowing from their direction to a person who was clean, they had to be 150 feet away from them. This was the law. It says in Leviticus, those who suffer from such a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. Some of y'all are like, I'm sitting next to them this morning. I'm kidding. It says they must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. And I just think about this. This had to be humiliating. This had to be like one of the worst places to be. They were the laughingstock. They were isolated and just like this leper. I believe Jesus can teach so many things through the scripture, but just like the leper, we have all had something in our life that has wrecked us. Maybe something that you've carried for a long time. I know for me, I'm going to share a little bit of my story this morning with you. We've all had things that, that we struggle with. And, and, and my question for you this morning is, what has pushed you outside of the camp? What has made you feel like you can't walk into the church and be who you're called to be? What is it that has driven you away, that has isolated you? I believe if we were to put it in the hands of God, then healing could take place. I love a famous theologian says this, Barclay, says that leprosy might begin with the loss of all sensation in some of your body parts. The nerve trunks are affected, the, mu the muscles waste away, the tendons contract until the hands are like claws. And there follows the ulceration of the hands and feet. Maybe you've seen pictures of this. It's not a good situation. Then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes until the whole hand or foot may drop off. That duration of that kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years. It's, it's, it's a kind of terrible progressive death in which someone dies inch by inch. And I share that with you this morning because, yes, that is leprosy, but in our lives, the same thing happens. It's, I heard it put this way. It's almost like death by a thousand paper cuts. It's like this little thing that turns into this big thing that turns into this other big thing. I tell students all the time, my, my father didn't wake up one day and decide, well, this is what I'm going to do with my life. It was one decision after another decision in my life personally. The, the struggles that I've been through, the sin that I've, that I've wrestled with, I didn't wake up one morning and say, I can't wait to be addicted. I can't wait to take things that don't belong to me. I can't wait to, to, to lie to my family and mislead people and lead people to me instead of Jesus. No, it's little by little, decision after decision, it's just wasting Away. I'm here before you today because Jesus got his hands dirty in my life. In this, in this passage, Jesus touched the unclean, and he still touches the unclean today. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get you. Get to you. I, I was broken, but, but God got involved, and he healed my life. Y'all, I was addicted to approval, and that was before social media. I wanted to hear, good job. And now, man, I live for the approval of God. I once was, but I no longer have to be. I love this about our God. He did not throw me a life raft. He threw me his life. He said, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to come to earth and live a perfect life and die for you. A new diagnosis, it starts with that. Y'all, similar to this miracle, 
There were 10 men that had leprosy, so there was, so there was lots of people in Scripture that were struggling with this. These 10 men, I love this, in the, in the book of Luke, it says, These men called out to Jesus. They met him, but they stood at a distance. And I started thinking about that scripture, and there's, there's so many times in my life that, that I called out to Jesus. I, I knew who he was, but I stood at a distance. Like, yeah, you, y'all can get involved in community. Like, y'all can start serving, and y'all can do, but I'm going to stand at a distance. And I'm, I'm just like this guy. I believe this. I wrote this down. I want you to write this down. Proximity breeds intimacy. And if you don't believe me, in a marriage, proximity breeds intimacy, amen? Like, like it's, if you want to be intimate, you have to be close to someone. And in a relationship with the one who created us with his hands, he wants us to be close to him. So the opposite of intimacy and proximity is isolation. And I want to make note that, that solitude and isolation are two different things. Solitude is when you get alone with God. Isolation is when you get alone with you. And that's not a good place to be because that's when the lies creep in. That's when the enemy attacks. I personally believe there's two types of isolation. There's isolation with the wrong people, and then there's isolation with the wrong crowd. I heard an example of this one year that there was this pregnant dog that was hit by a car, and don't worry, like everything was okay. Its, its back legs were no longer functioning. And it ended up giving birth to these dogs. And this dog, it, it would, the way that it walked is it would flail its front legs out and it would drag its body. It, it would flail its front legs out and it would drag its body. And so they gave birth to these puppies. And, and I'm a dog guy and, and I love dogs. Like, I, the, it was so interesting because these, these puppies, there was nothing wrong with their legs. But they watched how their mother walked and they walked just like her. And so all these puppies were, were flailing their front legs out and dragging the other ones behind, and nothing had ever happened to them. You're probably like, Seth, why are you sharing this weird story? It's so cool. Like They got these puppies around like other dogs that walked just fine, and they started using all four legs. Why am I sharing this? Because I believe we so often walk like the people around us. Y'all probably heard it back in school. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I would even be bold enough to say, show me your friends and I can show you your present. Because we, we, we talk like and we walk like the people who are around us. I wrote this down that people around you, they affect your perspective. They affect your decisions. They affect your worship. I believe that individual isolation is bad, but if you're around the wrong people, it's just as bad. Just like these puppies and these lepers, they were around the wrong environment and the wrong people. The lepers outside of that town, I'm convinced they were like, there's no way you could get healed. They were telling the other ones, there's no way you could ever have an encounter. There's no way you would ever be clean again. And I'm sure that their mentality about their condition crippled them from ever taking steps towards the real solution. And his name is Jesus. Check this out in Luke 13, verse 10. It says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a young woman who, who had, she had a disabled spirit for 18 years. I want you to think about birth all the way to senior year of high school. That's how long she was struggling with this. She was bent over, could not fully straighten herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. I wrote this down, number two, that if you want a new diagnosis this morning. 
You have to know and you have to believe I am no longer paralyzed by my struggle. I am no longer paralyzed by my struggle. And speaking of struggle, um, can I be real with you guys this morning? Like, I, I'm an honest person, um, so I like to be honest when, I, when I'm speaking. So I have a lot of struggles. I actually made a list of them. I'm not going to share them this morning. That would be really uncomfortable for all of you. Um, I have things that God has not healed me from. Anybody else? Like, I have things that I'm still walking through that God is still dealing with me on. And one of them is when I am in public, I have a hard time when other people fall down, okay? I don't know if anybody else struggles with that, but I, like, I have a weakness for people falling. And I feel like I have an excuse because I have had double-digit head injuries, concussions, and so I'm a clumsy person. So when other people fall, it's so hard for me not to laugh, okay? And if you're, like, judging me, I don't care, Okay. <laughs> But in Walmart, y'all have all seen it. Somebody trip over the buggy, and it's like, you got to look the other way, you know? And so I, when I was first married, the first couple months, me and Kendra, were, we were living in Conway, and we weren't, you know, working with the church yet, and we were trying to figure out all the, you know, married stuff. And so it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and uh, she leans over, and she was like, Seth, my phone charger is out in the car. Can you go get it? And I was thinking, I'm like halfway asleep. And I was like, sure, I'll go get it. So I rose up out of bed. And, and by the way, I was just wearing socks. Uh, just a fun fact. Don't get a visual. But I, I rose up out of bed. And, I, and she said, I bet you won't go out there like that. And I was like, I love a good bet. Okay, a good dare. I'm a youth pastor. I wasn't then. Fun, just you need to know that, okay? And I was like, oh, I will, uh, you know? And so I marched to the door, and Kendra's laughing. And she's following me. She's like, you won't do it. You won't do it. And I look out the window. Her car's in the back of the driveway. It was the longest distance I'd ever seen in my life. And there's no street lights on the whole street except in front of our house. It's like our house glows. And so do things that are white at night, okay? And so I'm, I'm like, I get ready. I'm getting in that stance. I've been an athlete my whole life. And I hit a four flat through the front yard. I got to the door. Can I get an amen? And I open that door. I grab the phone charger. And I slammed that door, and I heard another door open. And I had a decision to make. I could either drop down and, like, roll under the car, which I probably wouldn't fit, okay? Or I could take off running, and in Jesus' name, I did, okay? So I take off running back to the front door, and I forgot there was a step in front of the door. And I hit that step. Kendra's in the window. She's like, ah! I hit the step, and I hit the door. I hit the wall. I hit the other wall. I hit the concrete. And I am, like, laying on the front porch naked. I'm in my, I'm in my socks. I got socks on. And I've got scrapes on my elbows, my knees. I was in, a, I was in the most vulnerable place in my entire life, okay? Like, this is, this is like naked and afraid 2.0. Like, I, it was just a bad situation, okay? And I'm screaming. I'm like, ah! And Kendra opens the door. She's like, ah! She's laughing. She falls down. She rolls me inside. She's like pouring peroxide all over me. It was a great first, like, couple months in marriage memory, okay? And but we, we laugh when stuff like that happens. But, but can I be real with you this morning that it, there, there's nothing funny about watching someone in your life that you love fall down over and over again. Like in their life, it's like, I'm never going to go back to that thing. And it seems like every time, every situation, it's like they go back and they get hurt and they hurt other people. Maybe you've been there before. I've been there, man. I've hurt my family. I've hurt my friends. I've hurt my coaches and my teachers. I'm a student pastor, and so I deal with high school students, and I remember sitting across from a student who's like, I'm never going to do drugs again. 
And then it's like the next week, they're, they're back in it again. The girl that's looking at me and my wife in the face, and she's like, I I'm not going to do that with my boyfriend again. I'm not going to find my identity in that relationship. And, and it comes to find out she's going to that because she's not getting approval at home. And she's back in it the next week. And it's like the same thing over and over and over again, falling down. I believe so many times in life we get knocked down and we do not get back up. And I, I want to encourage you this morning, if you are down, God wants you to get back up. If you've made a mistake, if you have fallen, hopefully not on the front porch like me, get back up in the game. God is a redemptive God, and he wants to use your life. For me, to be personally like, honest with you, fear crippled me for a long time. I was scared of what people would think because they knew my past. Anybody else been there before? I can't be a pastor. All those people know what I did. What a great example of the grace of God, if you're, if you're willing to be real about it. I want to encourage you to do that. I love what, what Spurgeon Put, he, this is amazing. He said for 18 years she had not gazed upon the sun. For 18 years no star of night had gladdened her eye. Her face was drawn downward towards the dust and all of the light of her life was dim. She walked about as if she were searching for a grave and I, I do not doubt that she often wished that she could find one. In this passage, this lady walked into the same synagogue most likely for 18 years. The same church. For 18 years, and one, there was one day that was different where she met Jesus. And I would be bold enough to say this morning, if you're anything like me, I did the whole church thing. I showed up, and, and I had the attendance, and, and, I, and I, I went, and, and I stood during worship, but nothing changed in my heart. I believe this lady is modeling for us that you can be in the presence of God, around the things of God, and never make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life and never change. Jesus changes everything. I believe that so many people, they're around the things of God their whole life, but they've never had an intimate encounter with Jesus. Y'all, this lady, she was crippled from her calling. She was broken, but then God restored her. I love what this verse says, Philippians 3.12. This, this is powerful. It says, I'm not saying that I have all of this together. I tell my students this all the time. I do not have it together. Like, like you can follow me, but I, I'm going to be honest about it. everything I've done in my life. Like, I do not have it together. Anybody else do, that doesn't have it together? Like, I don't have it together. And, and I love this passage that I have it made. But I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ, who has wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is calling us onward to Jesus. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. I don't know if you circle things in your Bible or bold them or whatever. This is a good one to bold. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back back. Y'all, I misled so many people when I was younger. I hurt so many people before I got and became like a Christian. Even as a Christian, I still hurt and misled people. But I want to encourage you this morning to be off and to be running and don't look back. I think a lot of people live their life looking in the rearview mirror 
And it's really hard to see where God wants to take you when you're looking at the things that you think have disqualified you. Everybody look at me real quick. Hear me. You are not disqualified by what you have done. I do not care what anybody has told you. You are not disqualified by what you said or what they said about you. Jesus is redemptive. He restores broken things and he completes them. You are not defeated. You are not overlooked. I love that the way that this lady walked to Jesus did not dictate the way she walked away from him. She walked up broken and she left healed. You can walk in broken and you can leave broken, but you could also walk in broken and you can leave healed. Why? Because of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I, I wrote this down that, you know, we, we, we hear verses and it's like, yeah, that's great for everybody else, but you don't know what's going on in my life. Verses like this, like, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We, we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And there was a time in my life that I would hear that and I would say, good for them. But you don't know what I'm dealing with, God. Like, like you don't know what I'm struggling with. Let me tell you that God knows where you're at. He knows what you've been through. He knows where you're at and he knows what you'll go through. And he's saying, I just want to help you. I just want to guide you. I just want to show you where to go. I think so many people in their life, they're blinded by their circumstance. They're blinded by what happened to them. And I'm not discrediting any of that, but I'm saying God is bigger than that. The last thing I want you to write down is I once was blind, but now I can see. Old school. I once was blind, but now I can see. I, I actually need to be wearing my glasses right now, but I didn't because I had a headache before. And I actually, I went to get my, my driver's license renewed not too long ago. And when, when I went to get it renewed, I, I walked in. Anybody been to the DMV? And you're like dreading it, right? Like you're going to wait your whole life. And um, it's just like, it's like your, your number's just never going to get called, okay? And I'm in there and, you know, the lady calls me up, sweet lady. Like I go up there and she's like, honey, what do you need? And I was like, I need to renew my driver's license. She's like, step forward and look into the machine. So, like, you know, I look into the machine. I don't know what it's called. It's that machine that you look into, you know? <laughs> and, and they shut off my good eye. And like I said, I've had a lot of concussions from sports and accidents, and, and I, I, I can't really see much out of my right eye. I don't have depth perception. Sometimes it does its own thing, you know? <laughs> like, and here's the thing. Like, she shut off my good eye, and so, like, I'm secretly trying to sneak that left one over there, you know, and, like, kind of see, I need my license. And I was like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you. And she was like, Seth, tell me what you see. And I was like, I don't see nothing. I'm waiting for you to put the card in there. She said, sweetie, the card's been in there the whole time. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> and she said, sweetie, can you see? And I was like, no. <laughs> she opened the other one and she, she gave me my driver's license. Praise God. It's Maumelle, Arkansas for you people. <laughs> and I got my license. She said, Seth, promise me you will go to the doctor and get glasses. And I was like, yes, ma'am, you know. So I go to the doctor and I look through another one of the machines and it's like Inspector Gadget over and over again. It's like the thing, they're flipping the things and, and I will never forget the day. I'll never forget when that thing, when it was the final one, have, if you have glasses or condoms, you know what I'm talking about. And it flipped down and I was like, it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I could see. I could see and, and I was thinking about my life and I was like, God, why in my life has it been different? 
I knew the way to go. I had a great family. I had great friends. I had great people. But why did I go my own way? I, I, I was blinded to so much. I couldn't see where I was going. I couldn't see my future. I couldn't even see my own sin. I was blinded to the people I was hurting. But I'll never forget the day that God opened my eyes. I love this, this verse. It says in John 9, you've heard this story before. It says, as he went along, he saw a man that was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents have sinned, said Jesus. Hear this. Please hear this. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Fast forward. The guy gets healed. Mud on the eyes. I'm just imagining it was a weird situation. He's like, I could see. And then all these religious people come up. Maybe you got saved from something that was really bad. And then all the religious people started coming up and saying, who do you think you are to live for God? Do you know what you've done? Like they start asking these questions and they, literally they say, who did this? And he says, look, he's like real. He's like, I don't know the answers to all your questions. You religious leaders is what he says. He says, I don't know how, I don't know why, but what I do know is, this is what I know. I was blind and now I can see. I once was, but I'm, I'm, I'm not anymore. I was blind, but now I can see. I, I want to ask you this morning, what has God rescued you from that you keep running back to? What, what is that thing that no one knows about? And I'm not saying raise your hand, stand up, and shout it, because it's going to be uncomfortable, okay? What I'm saying is have a moment with God this morning. I love that he, he spoke everything in the world into existence, but he loved you so much. He said, I'm going to make you with my hands. He knows every detail about our life. And I believe that he is saying to someone this morning, come back to me. You don't have to do what you've always done because you've always done it. You don't have to say what you've always said. Insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over and what? Expecting a different result. I saw a church coming in and it said, it was try Jesus. I was like, that's so good, you know, try Jesus. Like, try Jesus. For me, man, I, I was broken. God healed me. As I mentioned before, like, I was a thief. For four and a half years, I would walk into places and I would take things that did not belong to me. And I'm so I can't believe that I ever went down that path. I was a thief. I, I remember I got caught stealing on family vacation. Awkward. It was weird the rest of the week. But I'll never forget the day that my little brother came up to me. He was just a little, little boy, five. He said, Bubba, are you, is it true that you're really a thief? And I was like, I can't live this way. I once was, but, but I no longer am. If I saw someone who was happy, who had joy and peace in their life, I would steal it from them. I was angry, but God gave me peace and joy and happiness. I was a liar, but now I am defined by the truth of God's grace. 
because of Jesus. And I will spend the rest of my life sharing my story and how God saved me. I once was, but I no longer have to be. If you would, across the room, I want you to bow your head. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or do anything uncomfortable right there in your seat with no one looking around. I just